I'm R.J. Bell with the Sports Betting Headlines for Friday. Milwaukee wins a must-win game. They didn't cover, and they only have, even after the win, less than a 25% chance to advance in the series. The Clippers in trouble once again, down 0-2. This time, I don't think the Clippers are the better team. We'll be following. Embiid tonight goes to Atlanta. Embiid's looked amazing since his injury, suspiciously so. But Atlanta has won 13 straight games at home, and this game's right around Pick'em. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Friday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. It's an NBA Friday. We've got the recaps from last night. Uh, Season saver for the Milwaukee Bucks, but did they really save anything? What's their chances moving forward? And... A surprising, and I can't lie, a surprising Clippers, I won't say performance, because I don't think it was so much the Clippers playing badly. It was the best team in the NBA, at least by record, playing very well. Utah, sports bettors, listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joan L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got a couple of games tipping off later on tonight in the NBA playoffs and a couple to look back on from last night in the NBA playoffs. What is the Vegas lead here on this Friday? Let's go with Milwaukee saving the season. Yeah, it was the Milwaukee Bucks at home, down two games to none. Not a lot of offense in this game, surprising in today's NBA, but it was the Bucks an 86-83 win over the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn still leading the series, however, two games to one. Okay, goes to show you how the Vegas number, the great equalizer, was three and a half in the game. At the end of that, it seems like to me that if you were laying it, you could have felt... Like, ah, maybe there should have been a foul, could it, you know, or there could have been, let's say, as the scenario played out. But Milwaukee wins, barely doesn't cover. And I will say this, Jonas, we had the pizza parlay last night. And this is a phenomenon. You know, there's a, a concept called a schadenfreude. And what that means is uh, it's a German word that means you take pleasure and other people's pain. So apparently the Germans decided they needed a word for that. But <laughs> that's interesting. But what I would say is there should be a word in gambling, and I don't think there is, that when you have a two-teamer or multiple uh, elements to a bet, when the first one loses, 
you want the next one to lose. Yeah. <laughs> because you feel like, listen, I, I've lost enough in my life. I, you know, I'm going to win some. I'm going to lose some. I want to, because the worst thing is to win the second one and feel like, oh my God. And then it makes the first win more painful. That's the sick thing. Yeah. Once you've lost the first one, and uh, another loss is like, good, good. I got that out of the, my system. But if you win the second one, it makes the first. It's not that you enjoy that win. You feel like the first loss, get, you you relive it. You feel the pain all over again. Can you yeah. relate to that? A hundred percent. I've done it my entire gambling career. I would <laughs> I would rather on parlays, I'd rather be completely wrong than just barely wrong. Exactly. Like, let, let, let me lose it early on. And in particular, let me lose it in the first game so I don't have any interest in watching the second game and I get my hopes up. Yeah, I've been doing that my whole life. So looking at the eye test in that Milwaukee game, and I see in your notes here, you feel like, hey, obviously a nice win. Uh, you know, it's good to win, except if it's a second piece of a parlay, you've already lost the first. <laughs> but but you're saying, hey, the offense uh, looks so bad, maybe it doesn't really matter. So not, there's no optimism uh, in your mind from this game. I don't think so. I, I, I just think Brooklyn's the better team. Uh, I mean, even without James Harden, it, like, it took a lot of things that Brooklyn wasn't able to do. And I don't think that was, you know, by anything that Milwaukee was doing. Um, it just took a lot of cold shooting, questionable decisions uh, down the stretch um, for Milwaukee to even be in that game. They couldn't really buy a basket later on. Um, you know, uh, uh, Giannis is still having his issues at the foul line um he's still having his issues from beyond the arc uh brooke lopez was awful like i i just i looked at it you figured this was going to be the game you would see their best product like their best product in the series on the floor game three as we talked about it going back home all that momentum the zigzag if you will and that's what they rolled out with it's it's a good win i just think they're in trouble i mean i think we saw in the first quarter right so i mean the splits in that game were, were gigantic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so on one hand, you could say Milwaukee wins by three, and that's true. I mean, objectively true. On the other hand, you could say, other than the first quarter, which had uh, a significant emotional edge to Milwaukee that, quite and frankly, they won't have point again. Lead. Yeah, 19-point yeah. lead in the first. Yeah. So other than that, they lose by 16. Now, I, I know that's not the way to look at it, but it is if you're looking forward. If you're looking backwards, you say, hey, they won. But now, are they going to be able to repeat the energy? You can't just will up that kind of we're going to get eliminated and maybe swept if we don't win this game energy. Because if you could, every team would do it, every important game. But they don't. There's something about the crowd. There's something about that. They've been on the road, and it, you're finally back home. You're finally in the place you can do your best work. There is something about that game three that we've been talking about for years now, and it pans out. And, boy, that was an extreme case. But then to only win that game by three, it, it gives you the W. It doesn't bode well for the future. Now, you look at Giannis, 31 field goal attempts. That was him saying, I want to take control. I am the defending two-time MVP. I heard that in a, a recap uh, video, and I'm like, really? It, I, I know he is, but it just seems like so long ago that it's kind of been debunked. I mean, I've never seen a two t- Remember, there's not many people walking the earth or ever walked the earth that won two straight NBA MVPs. I think it was like eight of them or something. It's a small number. And I've never seen one in their prime who seems to be sometimes a negative in the play. I mean, at this point, if we were making a list of the best NBA playoff players today, 
does Giannis make the top 20? Oh, gee. In performance, he certainly doesn't. Now, we can say, looking forward, we think he's going to turn it around. But if you say, let's just take PER or, uh, uh, let's say, um, adjusted plus minus, like whatever advanced stat you wanted to look at, Giannis in the playoffs is not going to be highly ranked. Yeah, I, I that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a lot. I think it's closer to 20 than a lot of people would actually realize. So you're upon. thinking most people would think it's like uh, beyond like 30 I, no, or no, 40. No, I, I think I think a lot of people would say, well, he's, you know, Giannis. Of course you would want him in the postseason. I and think then you if you want him. Did, you want him as your third guy. Yeah. Apparently. And, and, and then if you do a deeper dive into that, you go, oh, he's he's really struggled. And the, and the free throw shooting. I mean, how you're getting called. I mean, how you haven't figured out a way to put up a free throw in under 10 seconds. I, I just think he's in his head like there's something going on oh for sure for sure and to me that's one of the beautiful things about sports is i've known handicappers that no matter what you say about a psychology they're gonna go no 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 that's stupid these are professionals and then it's like we talked about it this week is when a team is down 3-0 or 0-3 you could say their performance is so much worse than when they're down 0-2 and it's like what's the difference well in one hand you feel like you're still in it and the other hand, when you owe three, you don't. It's easy to wave your hand and say, no, 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 they're getting millions of dollars. But, but the number numbers show you things like this matter. And so do things like, uh, well, who is the baseball player uh, for the Dodgers that couldn't throw from second to first? Uh, uh, Steve Sachs. Yes. Yeah, John the, Ramos with that. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and I mean, it was like for years he was, a, you know, a, a fine fielding second baseman. Yep. And then one day he couldn't, you know, and, I mean, the yips you hear in golf, it just had, there was a psychology to it. And to me, it makes it wonderful. If these were robots, it wouldn't be near as interesting. I right. also, Chuck Knobloch and uh, Rick yeah. Rick Ankeel uh, was another one for the Cardinals where we, he had it so bad that he ended up switching positions. Now think about that. Right? Yeah. Someone that spent like decades getting to that point, one of the best in the world at it, and we've seen it with Norman and God. I mean, we see it in every sport. And if in what we know is there's something in Giannis's head, whatever that is, that's making it where on one hand it feels like he's too passive in the playoffs, and the other hand. He'll occasionally say, no, 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 I'm going to take over. It's like the guy who has a dirty house, but then he decides to clean it once. So he's got a toothbrush out. He's like, you know, uh, going in the window <laughs> seal, scrubbing stuff. And you, I can promise you in, in three months, it's going to be back the same way. Or the workout guys, right? They don't work <laughs> out. They have the first heart attack or maybe, you know, now they're eating celery. They're walking around with buckets of celery. How long does that last? You're, you're a workout guy. How long does yeah, it last? Not long. That's usually, uh, you know, you wait a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden the equipment starts to open up at the gym again and and the question is is this something with Giannis that is about the nature of the playoffs meaning the playoffs are different they don't uh, the pace is slower there's more half-court basketball the defense is allowed to call or be a little more aggressive there's less foul calls typically Um, and to me with Giannis I think it's his uh not, I don't want to say ineptness. It's he's not suited for half-court offensive basketball. I mean, you think about Michael Jordan. And you think about the great plays. How many of those plays are in transition? Hardly any. 
right? Because in NBA playoffs, transition buckets are maybe if you're down by 15 and you might be running and get some, or you're up by 15. But when it's a tight game late, there's not even when there is transition. Like you think about that Utah game when he hit a poster shot at the end. It was it was transition. They kind of rushed up and then they backed off. They look at the clock. So it's like a chess game. And I'm not in any way saying Giannis isn't a good chess player. I don't know if he plays chess or if he could. Uh, you know, I'm not speaking to any of that. What I'm saying is his style, his physicality. Uh, seems to exert itself best on offense in transition. That's what the numbers say for sure. And I think if he was like a third option, because let's be candid, if he hadn't won these MVPs, Giannis would be like this under, it'd be like, you know who's better than people think, Giannis. Because it's almost like Pippen. What was Pippen, right? Pippen was a great defender. Pippen was a good ancillary, kind of, you know, a secondary uh, scorer. And he would clean up around the rim, you know, uh, really like a, a utility player, maybe the greatest utility player, Scottie Pippen, and yeah. that he did the, you know, the things that don't get the acclaim as much, but he did them. And Michael did a great job of affirming him and, you know, Batman, Robin, however you want to think about it. If Giannis were the Robin, it feels like he'd be perfect because one, he can defend like crazy and he's very good at uh, multiple positions. He can defend. He's also good in transition, but at the time you need a bucket late, he's not the guy. And as much as they kind of sold the farm for holiday, is he the guy? Did we ever think, you know what holiday is the best player on a championship team. So in a weird way, because they have Giannis, they weren't able to get the, uh, an a plus kind of first option so they got the best they could but again for this Milwaukee's Bucks team to win and I'll ask you Jonas is Drew Holiday would have to be the most important offensive player the first option on an NBA champion I don't think he has that in him what do you think well i i also think chris middleton is another key ingredient a third, in- a third ingredient yeah though. and so and so middleton if middleton doesn't doesn't have the game he had last night uh, milwaukee doesn't win and this isn't close 35 Mid- points yeah, i mean awesome. career high 15 rebounds no doubt i agree yeah, so I just I look at it as you cannot just rely on Giannis to have a monster game no. and other players to play subpar and then you can you can win games. It just he's shown he hasn't done that yet. Whether he gets to that point, I mean, who knows? But we've seen LeBron take over games before. We've seen uh, you know obviously Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe Bryant, others every take every over great games winner. Before. Yeah, every, every single guy. So to see where this is at, I mean, James Harden's another guy who I I would trust James. Harden and there's been a lot of knocks on him in the postseason. I would trust Harden in the playoffs over Giannis. Oh my but, god, it's not even yeah. close. Yeah. I mean, think about what it took. It took Harden being out. It took that big lead in the first quarter because it's a game three down 0-2. Yep. And it took Middleton having a career high 35 points. It took Giannis having 33, and they won by three. And and Brooklyn only had eight free throw attempts. Uh, and, yeah, and yeah. Oh, eight. look, the the NBA by coincidence that that, that the, the series gets extended a little bit. Now it's going to yeah. be at least five. So again, we're joking as we're kind of having fun with it. But I do believe, and many betters believe, and I'm not reporting this. I'm saying it's a personal belief that the NBA, when they have a monetary reason to have a given team win, they will put in referees who tend to call 
in a fashion that benefits that team. I'm not even sure that's – I mean, obviously, if that's true, they wouldn't want that to be something people were talking about. They wouldn't want that to be proven. But I'm not even sure it would be illegal. I mean, I don't think it would be, right? It's like you can say, oh, it's subjective. And, and since the person who's making the decision on who's reffing doesn't have to even say why he's making the decision, I'm not sure you could ever prove it. So I'm, I'm not being critical. I'm saying as fans who, as betters, we want to make more money, and as fans, we want to be smarter than our buddies, is take a gander at those foul calls in those kind of games that are like the high leverage games. That if it goes one way, the series is going to go f- deep. If it goes the other way, it might be a sweep. Uh-huh. It tends to happen that way, and it took <laughs> all that, and they still couldn't cover, and they still barely won. And I'm going to say it to close one more time. I don't understand how... Drew Holiday is going to be the best, the number one option on a championship team. And that's required because there's no way this version of Giannis, and we're getting past the point, and you know, they, they disappointed three years ago in the playoffs, lost to Toronto. Disappointed last year, I guess you call it two years ago, disappointed last year, badly, badly. And then this year, if they go out here, it's going to be a, what, a first, what was it last year? Second round exit? So uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, two Miami, sec- I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Orlando, whatever is the first. So two second round exits and a third round exit. It, this is not new. And you know what? I don't think this is even, you know, I think it might be a mistake for Giannis to try to change his game. This is his game. And you know what? Take off Drew Holiday, put in Kevin Durant, and this is the favorite to win the title. Because in that case, but you think about it, it wouldn't even be a big three. It would be Durant as a top five player in the league. True, right? It yeah. would be Giannis as a great complementary player, one of the best in the league. True. And it'd be a pretty good third player, Middleton. And the theory is that Holiday's kind of replaced with Durant. That team's the favorite, I think. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Yeah, so I think it, uh, especially it, seeing Kevin Durant in this series, he's been awesome. Absolutely so what it awesome. shows you is it's not so much – it's yes that Giannis isn't a first option, but he isn't. So now once we establish that, it's like who's going to be the first option, and maybe there was a panic buy on Drew Holiday because they gave up a ton, and he's a good defender, and he's a good number two, but someone's got to be number one. All right, when we come back, we're going to look at – The number one team in the NBA, is it possible? The Utah Jazz, that was an impressive win last night. I'll explain why I think so. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a look at yet another impressive performance in Salt Lake City. No doubt about it. And, you know, we were talking about Giannis. If you look at it, and, and my theory is that as a second fiddle, as a Robin, Giannis is about as good as they get. And if you look at some of the stats here, there's a concept in analytics called points per attempt. So the theory is how many points are scored every time you shoot the ball. Now, that's a great stat because it accounts for if you get fouled when you shoot, that means you get to then get those points added in, even though they don't typically go when someone's you know 10 of 20. 
if you get fouled, it's like none of that even counts in there. So it's a way to kind of really dig in and say, how effective are you scoring the ball when you shoot the ball? And if you look at the entire NBA, Giannis is in the 13th percentile, meaning that 87% of the NBA is better. And this is in the playoffs now specifically. So in the playoffs this year is 13th percentile. So how is that guy going to be your A guy? I mean, Kevin Durant is in the 90th percentile. James Harden, 99th percentile. Kyrie Irving, 67th percentile. So, I mean, the, that, that's what you're going to see with the guys that really, really can score the basket. And you look at Middleton, Middleton's in the 25th percentile, even after his great performance. Holiday's in the, oh my gosh, he's in the 13th percentile too. That's almost hard to believe. So, they don't have a scary score. I mean, like if I said, who's the best score on, on Milwaukee in the playoffs, meaning, let's say, in a playoff scenario, not this year so far, who would you say? Middleton. And where's Middleton's rank on the, the really good teams out there? Where's Middleton oh, on God. the Clippers? I, I don't think he's a one anywhere. Uh, is he honest. a two anywhere um, on a championship yeah, team? Yeah, I, I, I think that's possible. Where? Um, he does He does have— He wouldn't be a two on the Lakers. He wouldn't be a two on the Clippers. He wouldn't be—I mean, would he be a two on the Jazz? I'm. I mean— yeah, I would think Utah. I mean, as far as a scoring option goes, I, I would put him ahead. I mean, Rudy Gobert is not much of a no, scorer. No, I agree so, with that. Yeah, no. So if you if you put him next to a Donovan Mitchell, but I mean, you know, to to the bigger point, it just we've seen this same concoction of Bucks basketball in the postseason how many years in a row now and it just seems like we end up with the same results and look it's not even just Drew Holiday they went out and they added PJ Tucker because they wanted to get some more toughness they want it it just feels like they they continue to run into these same problems every time they get to the playoffs and and, and maybe maybe it's a small market issue maybe you hit the lottery with Giannis and now you've got to get a number two. And quite frankly, the number two is not really anxious to come. And it kind of brings back the idea, if Giannis were American-born, and, and what I mean when I say that is, if he was really embedded and part of the culture of basketball in this country, could a guy that good not have a number two that would like welcome coming. I, I forget the player. I should know. Is a Bondanovich the guy that signed the con? Like pretty much the deal was almost signed, and he backed out at the last minute. I, to- I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think that was the guy. I mean, how often do you see with a two-time MVP, a, you know, effectively a pretty good role player say, you know, you you want to pay me a ton of money, go to Milwaukee, be right there with you on it? Yeah, I, no, I don't think so. Actually, it's just like it does feel like that some of this is about. He plays a different style ball. He has a different Giannis has a different uh, background, and it does seem to put him at odds with the other players, the other great players. And once again, I'll say, who else amongst the best players have had a beef, or at least the players have had a beef with Giannis, Harden, and now we're saying Durant, and it's like, wow, why all the beefs? Because by all accounts. Giannis seems like a great guy. Like, yeah. You know, we hear he grew up on the street. I mean, obviously that's like, wow, that guy overcame a lot. 
but he doesn't seem beloved by the other NBA superstars. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, it feels like that. And and on the you know just as a personality, I've and everything I've heard is that he's a great dude. Like yeah, it like, seems like, like it. Great teammate. Um, you know, fun to be around. All of that. This is just strictly a basketball. Different, differing of opinions on what he brings to a team, it feels like, from a lot of players around the league. But I think it's probably more than that. Because what I would say is this. If, you're, if the given is that you're a millionaire, right, you're going to have a lot of money. right? So amongst the best players, that's the given at this stage. Meaning they've got there, they've earned it, but here they are. And now, is it what winning the most important? Maybe. I don't think it is, but maybe. It's up there. So what else is there? It's the hang. Doesn't it seem like that if you're going to be spending, and I've got to be honest, I don't disagree with them. If I had to, if I would, that's the thing I always lament or I always think about. If I was an owner of an NFL team, I had billions of dollars, would I really want to deal with Aaron Rodgers? Like, you know, like would I want to deal with his prima donna ways? I wouldn't. I get it. If you're the head coach and you're making your fortune, you deal with it because you got to deal with it. We all deal with whatever we got to deal with. We don't choose to deal with very much as as human beings. And it strikes me that if I am going to be a millionaire, if I'm Kyrie Irving or I'm, let's say, superstar X, Y, Z, but I'm not one of the best players in the league. I'm the seventh or eighth. I'm Paul George. There's a good example. I'm Paul George. All right. Now. I got my money regardless. I'm going to have a chance to win regardless because I'm going to be able to go wherever I want. But now the question is, do I take a 10% additional chance to win and hang out with a guy or be around a guy that I have seemingly nothing in common with and I don't enjoy necessarily being around him? Not that I dislike him. It's just we don't have a lot in common. And on the other hand, it's a good buddy I knew from AAU, you know. Or let's say Kyrie and Durant, they seem to have fun together. Wouldn't the fun part of it kind of matter when you have everything else pretty much locked up? Well, yeah, I think, and that's why a lot of these relationships have been built before on on the AAU circuit. Um, you know, LeBron and and Chris Bosh and D Wade that was built in the Olympics, and so there I thought is that was sort on a boat. I thought that was on a boat somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's uh. differing uh, differing reports <laughs> as to where those guys really connected, but but that's that's one of those things to where yeah, he he doesn't have that connection with those players, and and so in essence, he's starting from behind on building those relationships for and, a lot and, of those guys and the ability to. Draw all players is affected by that yeah and, and it might look it might be milwaukee oh for sure it's part of yeah it. i mean i mean I, I think i think that that's also a a big factor in a lot of this stuff you know for for a lot of guys as well. and too. the fact that Giannis is so loyal to milwaukee speaks to him in a way that i like but you know it seems like that with a typical nba superstar there's not a ton of loyalty for the city and i gotta be honest with you i've been more anti you know, I've been saying, hey, maybe the owners have been egregious in the past across the leagues, but man, it seems like the players are the, you know, are, are let's say being the aggressors now. But you heard this story, and we won't get uh, into it too deep about. I think it was the Denver Broncos where the guy got hurt, and then they're they're voiding his contract. Yeah, Juwan James. Okay, yeah. and it was it was outside the facility. Yep. Listen, I, I'm sure the legal side is backing it up. I mean, I, meaning that they're doing what's right legally. But to me, that's a problem. I mean, you got a guy working out. He's not skiing. He's not messing around drunk. He's working out outside the facility, and he has like multiple years voided on his contract. I mean, I, I mean what I'm saying is, you can see why the players feel like they feel sometimes. 
Yeah, and it's also their their PA has done an awful job uh, in negotiations when it comes to you know. Well, yeah, but a PA does what the what the constituents want, right? Meaning that, that you can only emphasize so many things, and it, it, some of the stuff like a guy, like a franchise tag is really negative to a lot of things, but it doesn't really affect. 99% of the player or 95% it only affects the top so when there's a vote like that what are they going to focus on right so I'm not saying in this given case where it falls on who cared about it but it seems like the players are tend to be short sighted and that's that is the main advantage the, in my opinion the owners have in these negotiations they've got a 10 year 20 year horizon these players got to make their money now are they really going to sit out a whole season when you only have a 5 or 6 year career oftentimes no, so no it's a tough spot, I think, for the union in these in these negotiations. Yeah, but when you've got you know players saying, you know, pointing out that you know a lot of these other players in the union didn't even bother to read through the CBA fully before they voted on it. There's just they're supposed to be a union. They're supposed to be all in this together. But you've got differing uh, amounts of interest. Like they're, the NFLPA encouraging players don't show up for your voluntary workouts. Well, there are some players who have workout bonuses attached to those voluntary workouts. And if you're trying to make a team, you're not trying to take it you know draw a line in the sand with your with your organization and say i'm not showing up because the nflpa told me to i think that's where sort of the messaging has been have been crossed and where uh, a lot of guys have been unhappy no i agree and, and but i just had a vision of you if you, like the next radio you know let's say if there were collective bargaining agreement that you would <laughs> have like your glasses if we've never seen you in and like a green shade and be ready to read every line with like you'd have have little yellow stickers and stuff i mean would you be digging in like that? Uh, no, I, I would just be coming to work every day because I got nothing else to do. So <laughs> I just, that's, what I, that's what I am. <laughs> All right. Well, we kept it going there, so I'll just say it's 95 in Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. You know, Giannis isn't even 26. He's 25, so... I guess that's the question, right? Is he still developing? It just feels like that element of his game, that alpha late in the playoff game, he just hasn't had, and it doesn't feel like it's getting any better. Let's quickly talk about the Clippers and the Jazz, and then we're going to preview some games, obviously. And I got a stat in this Atlanta one that's fascinating. what did you think of, and maybe you can set it up, the Clippers-Jazz last night? Yeah, it was uh, the Utah Jazz, a 117-111 win at home over the L.A. Clippers. Utah, the number one seed in the Western Conference and overall in the NBA playoffs, and now a 2 nothing series lead in that one. Mitchell, 37. He's been averaging almost 33 points a game in the postseason. Um, Gobert, I mean, this is workmanlike here. 13 points. But only five field goal attempts. Uh, That's pretty good. Do the math there. (laughs) 20 rebounds. I love those kind of guys. Here's, (laughs) Here's what concerns me about if you're a Clippers fan. Kawhi was 8 of 17, meaning right there at 50%. 21 points. Now, you might say you want him shooting more, but efficiently, not so bad. And Paul George puts up 27, right? So... Obviously, Paul George hasn't shot as good in the playoffs as he did in the regular season. But like, if you told me those are the performances from the two big guys, I'm not sure. I don't think that, that the Clippers should win that game. 
because uh, it's one thing when they, they lay an egg and it's like, OK, I mean, it felt like to me and let me just ask it this way, Jonas, that this was more matter of the Jazz winning than the Clippers losing. Yeah, they just hit shots down the stretch. They were better from three, um, you know, possessions late. The Clippers looked a little bit out of sorts as as opposed to the Jazz, who were able to to get pretty much whatever they wanted. And and Donovan Mitchell's just been awesome this entire time. And and I would also say the other, you know, troubling portion of this series to pay attention to if you're a Clipper fan, this is all without Mike Conley. So yeah, yeah. To, to see to see all of this take place when you're in both of these games, the Clippers had a lead late in that game. Uh, they they stormed back and took a lead, and then came up short again. All of this without Mike Conley, like that's the that's the part of this that I would be concerned with. Conley moves the needle, and some people don't see know that, but he does. And Mitchell, by the way, first Utah Jazz player with 35 or more points in back-to-back playoff games since 1988. Carl Malone, 88, not 98, 88. That long ago. So to put a button on the two games from last night, series odds right now for the Jazz, an 80% chance to advance, only 20% for the Clippers. And then back to Milwaukee, Brooklyn. Brooklyn is a 77% chance to advance, Milwaukee 23. So amazingly, at least before the series, I'd say Utah with the better chance to advance, both of them around 80, Utah and Brooklyn. When we come back, we're going to look at some previews I may have a bet, but what we have for sure is Atlanta is in a... Now, this is going to sound shocking, but Atlanta is in a 91% situation to win the game tonight. We'll explain it. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And RJ, we have a pivotal Game 3 matchup in the Eastern Conference, tipping off less than an hour from now at Atlanta where the 76ers are at the Hawks. The series is tied at one game apiece and right now Philly on pregame.com is a one and a half point favorite. Okay, so I'm going to do a best bet on the second game in the West but I got some interesting stuff on this one. Here's a trend. You go back to February 21st this year. At home, the Atlanta Hawks, well, let's talk about the road first. On the road, They've won 48% of their games, 13 out of 27, and they covered 41%, 11 of 27. So 48%, 41% against the spread. Eh, eh, not good. At home, they've won Atlanta, 23 games played, 21 of the 23. 21-2, 91% at home, and they've covered 83%, 19 of the 23. It seems like a split to me. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I'm looking at it and say, whoa. Now, 
I think it's meaningful because we've got the, the phenomenon of, you know, though it's not an 0-2 situation, Atlanta's having what? The biggest basketball game in Atlanta for how long? Long time. I mean, maybe back to Dominique. <laughs> so I think the crowd's going to be rocking. You know, I kind of I put this on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Uh, I don't know how this is related to the Magic City Wings, but it does seem like there's something special going on in Atlanta. What do you think, Josh? <laughs> yeah, well, I also think they've got a true superstar, and they haven't really had that superstar in a long time. Like maybe I, I want to say, um, God, who was who was the guy? left-hander uh, Josh? Um, God, I can't think of his name, but they had him for for a while there as as a pretty good player. But Trey Young seems like he's entering another level. Oh, yeah. entering another you know superstardom level when it comes to the NBA and so to see them you know they're going to be fired up based on the behavior they showed towards Trey in Philadelphia those first two games so I think this is going to be a lot of fun to watch no doubt and uh what I'm fascinated by and by the way Atlanta uh 13 straight wins at home also so 21 of 23 13 straight okay and the and they're an underdog so you got a team that's won 91 percent getting points I, I lean Atlanta for sure. Here's the thing I, I we got to start to consider, and I'm flabbergasted by this. So there's a concept called usage rate. What is that? It's pretty much saying, okay, what could you do? When you got the ball, what is it that you can do with the ball? And it's like, okay, you can shoot the ball. There's free throw attempts you could do if you get fouled. There's assists. So they take all the different things that kind of say, you know, what can you do with the ball and what percentage of a team's of those stats did you account for? So if you're shooting almost all the time, if you're almost all the assists when you're not shooting, if you're doing all the free throw shots, you are going to have a massively high usage rate. Okay. So last game for the Sixers, Embiid off an injury a couple games ago where he missed a game. Remember, missed that last closeout game against Washington. In this second game, which was a must-win in theory, they were down 0-1, and Bede's usage rate is the highest it's ever been ever in the playoffs for him. So of all the playoff games he's ever had, he had he was the most involved in this game. And it's the fifth most involved he's been in any game in his career. On the other hand, Simmons, when in theory with Embiid hurt, you would think Simmons would, you know, pick it up had the lowest usage rate of his career, playoffs or regular season. So Embiid had the fifth highest and the highest ever in the playoffs. Simmons the lowest ever, no matter what game it was. That isn't right. There's something weird about it. We'll talk about it next week, but let's get to my best bet. Yeah, and for that, we go to the second game of the doubleheader coming up later on tonight. The Suns are at the Nuggets with a 2-0 series lead, but it's Denver, a two-point favorite on pregame.com. Best bet, Nuggets in the first half, minus two. This is the phenomenon where the energy early is an advantage for the team down 0-2. The coach, Malone, said something goofy. I think that probably motivates him, at least for this game. And I also think that if you think about it, this Suns team with Chris Paul was the type to maybe be willing to take a punch, get backed up, and come back strong later as opposed to fighting and resisting so much early. And we saw uh, Brooklyn do that. So in general, I think it sets up beautifully to take advantage of the first-half system, and that's going to be a best bet on Denver laying two points first-half only. 
If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas as we take a deep dive look back on the two games in the NBA playoffs from Thursday night and a look ahead into later on in tonight's action. We are back on Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can listen to Straight Out of Vegas every single weekday on the iHeart Radio app. Straight out of Vegas! 